Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. Today on the show, we're talking about the victim culture and its effect on the church in the West. If you ever pay attention to the news or social media, you know that the idea of being a victim and celebrating victimhood has become a pretty big deal. Whether it's because of race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, uh, religious belief, everybody is sort of racing to see who has the biggest victim cachet at the end of the day. And it really seems to be infiltrating the church as well. So we're going to talk to Steve here in a little bit about what he thinks we need to do. Before we get to that, though, I would like to remind you of a couple things. If you can go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you use, we'd really appreciate that. That puts us on the charts, which allows people who've never heard of us before to actually find our show and start listening to it. And if you have somebody that would like to listen to the show, you think you would like the uncommon truth and and need a little bit of uncommon truth in their lives, you can go ahead and use a link that I've posted in the show notes. You can pass that on to them in a text, an email, Facebook messenger, something like that. And that will take them to whatever the best platform is for them. So Google will go to uh, Google Podcasts, Apple phones and iPhones and stuff will go to Apple Podcasts. Everybody else will go to Spotify. It's really easy to do. We'd love to help spreading the word. At the end of the show, I've got some shout outs and some more information for you, how you can get involved with The Uncommon Truth. So stick around for that. And now we'll welcome in Steve to The Uncommon Truth. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to The Uncommon Truth, Steve. We're in a new, new recording place. If you hear lots of cars or the clucking of a chicken, we're in our School of Transformation building, and uh, it's a little bit more open, smells less like diapers than the nursery, but uh, we could have some you know, loud cars drive by, so just oh, keep yeah. your ears open for that. In this part of Southside, you can have anything going on. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny to hear sitting in class with you on, on Wednesdays and and uh, the, the type of things. We're just glad our, our, our neighbor to, to the west of us doesn't have the... Uh, the super loud Spanish music going right, right now. Right, right. He cleans his yard and he, he looks nice, but he ha- always has to have that blasting. So that's right. That's where we're at today. Uh, if you ever want to look at where we're at, we're at 2300 Oro Banger Highway. You pull that up on Google Maps and you'll still see the building without a roof. Um, it must have been a really long time ago when we were when we were saying we're going to move here to do this school of transformation. Well, somebody put on Facebook the before and after of this building just a couple of days ago. Oh yeah. It was, I, I forgot, I forgot, and I, and I had it when it was looked like that for a long time. It was donated to us, and we couldn't touch it for a really long time. Yeah, we, uh, so we were trying to tell my family where we were moving before we got here, and, and I'd never actually seen the school building before we moved here, and, uh, and so I, because we were doing other things, I guess, but I, I showed them, I like typed it up, and you get that view on Google Maps where you can walk around and, you know, uh, person I view and it's it's a building without a roof and it looks like it's about to fall over and then uh, the apartments where we live now which are right next door to it they hadn't been renovated yet and it just yeah <laughs> my family's like where are you going what's going on here 
Yeah, I bet that was a eye opener to them. We we still have the the neighbors behind us have chickens. And yeah. There's one one escape artist chicken. Yeah. It looks different from the rest of them. It can climb out. They've got all sorts of wire. Up you know, I saw that, that chicken yesterday, and he looks like the same chicken that was running around out there. That's all hairless and yeah. missing feathers. Like dogs have got a hold of it. <laughs> cats have got a hold of it. And I thought this has been a long time. Do chickens live that long? Yeah. Well, or was, this is the children of that chicken. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. It was, strange when we were building this building and you know we got this building and had a roof but every time you came there'd be you come in this pitch dark building with a roof on it and you'd see a cigarette cherry would glow over in the corner really and you'd know we are not alone oh yeah so we took the roof off to stop people from okay uh doing horrible things in here you know yeah and it was so dark it was a pitch dark building none of these windows were here what was it before well a long time ago it was a store with an apartment when okay. we were donated it, it was a rack with a roof on it. Yeah. But it was filled with garbage all the way to the ceiling. Wow. This was solid garbage. with, And so when you go to that uh, posting on Facebook, the people whose outreach teams were here for Project 61 mm-hmm. that cleaned this building with my old dump trucks that I used to have, and they, they, they always talk about the dead cats that were in here. <laughs> and... Um, they all got on Facebook, a whole bunch of them on Facebook. Oh, my team cleaned that. Oh, I was there cleaning that with an, on That's an outreach. Great. They cleaned it one time, and uh, they all were, you know, putting their two cents in. It's good to on see. Picture. It's good to see, you know, where some of that goes. I mean, things things happen so quickly. That's why we're in this building now. We're knocking out knocking out walls in the church and getting ready to expand because we're moving to two services, and, mm-hmm. and that's pretty cool. Um, so we're glad to be able to accommodate them for them to make the, the church accommodate more people. That's right. Today we're going to be talking about uh, something that's sort of pervasive in the church or in the world, actually, all of Western culture, and it's kind of going around the world, and it's coming into the church too. I see it. It's uh, like the victim spirit, the victimhood mentality. Um, yeah. Right, like the the... The culture is is saying like, well, you it used to be about uh, what you could what you could do what you could right. Uh, achieve right and um, and to me and I have I'm only 32 but it seems to me even in my lifetime it's now shifted to um, who can you blame what what things are are not your fault what sort of you know that's exactly what I was gonna say that this victim mentality comes from the lack of taking personal responsibility or personal inventory. Yeah. Of your actions. What will this, what I'm doing, how will it affect others? And I shouldn't want to affect others. But for some reason, I'm not sure why, but victimization comes with making other people victims. Hmm. And uh, everybody says I'm a victim and they all have a story of how bad things are for them. But what about the stories of what you've done to make things bad for everybody else? Right. And I think there's a blame game that goes on that's shocking. You bring something up, it's almost hard to talk about in a crowd because everybody's saying, well, you know, that's not my fault, right? And you're like, okay, nobody said it was anybody's fault. This is a culture. We have, we have something going on that we need to talk about, the philosophy that's causing it, and try to find out how we can change our program, change our system to quit causing these negative outcomes. But you, it's really hard. Yeah. I didn't ask you to take the blame. I asked you to talk about how not to create this outcome. So, 
And you got to fight through that because yeah. it's really a defense mechanism, blaming. Somebody's got to be to blame. Let's make sure everybody knows it's not me. Mm-hmm. How, where have you seen this in, like, recently in, in culture? Have you, have you noticed it anywhere? Oh, it seems like it's all around. It is all around. It's, uh, it's, I hate to say it, but a lot of GoFundMes are there just because of the money. Mm. You know, we'll use this personal victimhood to get money. Yeah. Or back when my son with Down syndrome was being per, uh, fully included in grade school, I noticed it starting then where every parent was acting like everybody owed them something. Mm. And I felt that my son being born with Down syndrome was God's plan for my life. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't their responsibility. So I would just tell people, look, this son didn't happen to you. He happened to me. And he's my son. And I'm I'm here trying to do the best I can. And you're trying to help me. So first off, I want to say thank you for trying to help me. And I want to assure you, I'm not going to blame you for the outcome. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to help me do these things. And in, in one case, it was uh, socialize him. I'd like him to be able to respond to people who talk to him, ride a bus that his sisters rode or ride, mm-hmm. to have friends, to be able to be on a playground and be responsible, get in line when he's supposed to get in line, wait his turn. You know, I don't want any special treatment. I want him to wait his yeah. turn and learn social social interaction. And I, I think even then, which was a while ago, people were stunned like, all the other parents with down kids, they're demanding us. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was happening, but I just, I realized this is me. This is my, this is my life. And he's my son and you're trying to help me with him. But I've noticed over the years, it's not just things as extreme as down syndrome. It's cancer. And of course, you know, we have a granddaughter with cancer, with leukemia and the victimization of the people, it's just, I mean, they're, they're all wandering around and you try to tell them about Jesus and they like, no, 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 no. You know, it's like, will he, will he do this? It's like, well, I, you know, I don't know whether he will do this or not. I just know that your ability to go through this is going to be greatly enhanced by a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, you're going to give him your life and he's going to help your life be able to get through this and your other kids' lives and your other family members and you know, this won't be the end of all life for you guys. Yeah. But it really does come up to, you know, they're looking for someone to blame for the cancer, so they blame God. They're looking for somebody to take responsibility for the healing of it, so they go to the doctors, and the doctors mm-hmm. can't promise them either. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, it's, it's, I've seen this everywhere, actually, and the failure of the education system. And, I mean, rest assured, the, educate, the public school system – cannot see anything but an inability to teach kids the way that used to be taught. And um, we are not having great success in our school districts nationwide. So they want to blame somebody and the parents want to blame somebody and nobody wants responsibility for what's going wrong. And so I see it all around me everywhere I go. Yeah, I know. I I know you've spoken to me before. I'm not sure if it's been on the podcast or in a class, but about the um, like trying to watch the Olympics, right? Which it used to be about you know who can run the fastest, jump the highest, swim the farthest, swim the qu- quickest, whatever. Lots of great stories that way of you know underdogs coming and you know winning winning a medal um, or are just competing for the joy of competing for their country on the world stage and. And now, at least the way the media spins a lot of the coverage, it's just it's just about 
well, who who's the biggest victim out of this this team? Right? Well, they do always show victimization, and it should be sold as triumph over adversity. adversity. Yeah, you know, or even the person that comes in twentieth says, "I am so blessed to be in this race." You know, I'm here representing yeah. my country. It's kind of like in my days in high school sports. I remember kids. One guy was on my basketball team all four years, never played, never mm. played. And at graduation, I remember him talking about it, him saying, are you kidding me? I, I mean, I was so he, – he just shared. I was so blessed to be with those guys on the bus. Mm -hmm. I got to play basketball every day with a bunch of great guys. We practiced full, you know, full court practice and all that. I got to I got to have all this experiences with being on a team. It was such a privilege to be part of a team. Yeah. But today, try to coach, man. It's Oh yeah, it's you see it in pro sports insane. every single day. Yeah. Right? Antonio Brown just he wasn't he didn't get the helmet he wanted. And so he wouldn't play for the team that was paying him 30 million dollars. Who's that? Antonio Brown. So he was he was recently he's last season he was with the Steelers. Yeah. He got uh he was causing them a bunch of headaches. Went so to the Raiders. He didn't went he? to the Raiders, right? And didn't, he didn't get a even, helmet? Didn't even get on the field for preseason because there's so what I understand there's 40 different helmets that are approved by the NFL. His helmet is not on that list, the helmet that he likes. So, he refused to play or practice all of preseason. It caused so many headaches. He uh he played it off that he's the victim here. He's signed for $30 million. Yeah. Then he makes a, makes a big old stink about all of this and forces the, the Raiders, you know, are you going to pay $30 million to a guy that's not even playing on your team? So they, they released him, and he, he makes another $15 million from the from the Patriots. He just got signed to probably the best team in the NFL. Right. And does he wear the helmet he wants? Uh, no, but he now he's – He just used It wasn't that, about yeah. that, though. He did – it oh, came out it. that he hired a whole social media team to follow him around, vaccines, watch how he was. And he just yeah. played everybody like a fiddle because, right, I'm the right. victim here. Right. And, and somebody uh, let him do it. Yeah. And it, it was unpopular not to let him do it. And so our whole culture thinks that's, you know, it, it's going in that direction anyway. But I think in Christianity we find that of it's absolutely – epidemic that people come to Jesus for what he can do for them and they're trying to be Christians to try to see how far God can take them can they have their dreams can they get what they want can they can they name it and get and claim it can they name mm -hmm. it and claim it can they say it and have it and so they find out that following Jesus is picking up your cross denying yourself and following him. And he says to the, you know, it's, it's crosses, man. And so people say, Whoa, wait a minute. I didn't know this was going to cost this much. He even said, no one starts the building. No builder starts a building without first counting the cost to mm -hmm. count the cost and come to me all who are burdened. What's funny is he's talking about a yoke, which is a, an instrument of work, right? So, you yoke yourself to Jesus and you're going to be, it's going to be hard. Like an ox. Plowing up, plowing plow, up, the breaking field, up right. the field. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, well, I remember, so when we started, you're talking about rights and responsibilities, right? right? And, uh, 
and something that that I've been seeing more and more is the focus on what what my rights are and everybody telling me what my rights are right. and, and focusing on getting their rights um and there's just a not not a lot of focus on well what am i actually responsible for and it seems to me that that's how i understood christianity for a long time was well this is what i get now this is my right like i'm a i'm a child of god now and and so i'm yeah. afforded certain things yeah when you actually dig into the gospels, it's like, no, you never go about when you're with Jesus, you never go about like demanding, demanding rights. what you're supposed to get. You, you go yeah. and you have a huge responsibility to bring the kingdom. That's right. I think Jesus says, come in low and slow. I think if you take the overall communication of Jesus, he wants you to come into the lower seat, um, come in slow, let them get to know you, tell them the truth, be real. And yet, I, I think that in, in our world today, our Christian world, the churches that are growing are the ones that are sensitive to the people to not make them uncomfortable, not challenge them, not blame them, not tell them what they did was wrong. And I think that most of the churches that are growing in our nations is the ones that don't say what Jesus said about cutting off your hand plucking out your eye, don't sin no more, you got this because you did this, and you, and this is happening because you did that. Or, for instance, the ones I've been talking about lately, that all of the scriptures that say what happens to liars, and it's like you are responsible not to lie. And at the same time, they say, well, I'm not what I do. Well, if you lie, you're a liar. That, that you're, you are what you did there. And it's, you know kind of a nobody wants to hear that stuff well not nobody but very few people yeah, want to hear not, that it's stuff not common. it's just not common to hear that stuff and um the church is saying it i would think the church is growing that are saying the hard stuff it's pretty rare you'd have to have an incredible move of the holy spirit and the holy spirit churches i've been in where the holy spirit's moving would call it we would even call it revival churches mm-hmm all they want to talk about is miracles. And so they create a culture of people who are looking to feed themselves for the purpose of being full. If you're feeding people for the purpose of them feeding others, I'd, be, I'd kind of be for that. And, and I, would, I would, you know, sir, what's that? Celebrate that. And, but I think that today in our culture, the churches growing the most are the was that emerging churches, the ones that do not make anyone uncomfortable. Hmm. Yeah. Jesus makes me uncomfortable. And I love Jesus. So I think I'm I think if we can't grow in numbers or we can't grow fast in numbers, then we should grow in quality. We should grow in realness. Right. We should, you know, do what Jesus said and be found doing what Jesus said. Instead of blaming others, we should say, Lord, oh, you had to go to the cross because of me. I owe you everything. I'm owed nothing. I deserve nothing. I owe everything. And I would think that victimization would go right out the window if we taught that. Well, there's, there's a couple of things that, that I've heard you speak on that, that combat victimization. And one is, is realizing... So what Jesus has actually done for us um, really makes you feel like, okay, well, 
how could I be the victim in this situation yeah. when, when I know what he's done for me? And, uh, and the other one is, is what he's charged and tasked us with. Because yeah. he, he doesn't just leave and say, all right, well, I'll see you, I'll see you when I see you. It's, okay, you've got a job to do before I come back, right? Like the, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, right. teaching, teaching them, right? And it's not, it's not just about what I can get out of this, um, but it, it's that, that idea of you, you need these things. God knows that you have things that you need, but do seek this kingdom first, and then he'll add those things to you. Right. Right. It's it's that victim culture. It seems like it gets that that the wrong way around. Like I need what I need and, and I want it now. Right. And your responsibility is to give it to me. And there's a really big part of it that is I have it because I say I have it. Mm. And, you know, I have seen so many young people become unbelievers because they did that. They tried that ploy. I have it because I said I did. They do. They prophesy. They pray for healings and everybody, and they say everybody's healed, and then they kind of see those same people in wheelchairs and on crutches. Yeah, those people die in the cancer wards, and or just aren't are still deaf. Yeah, you know, and they lose their faith. Well, mm. it wasn't real. We were just hyped, and and the truth is real. The truth is a blessing, and I think it's better not to hit above your weight class. I think you should I think you should only start doing those things when you're no longer a baby in diapers. I think you should do those things when you have a maturity of faith and a experience that when you lay hands on someone they will recover and you say it in a way that gives hope but doesn't try to make God look good by making some story up and I think faith gets destroyed in these in these places and people become victims and and it's a sad, it's a sad battle to fight. And I, I, I believe that there's a culture today of God doesn't punish. And, and so, therefore, that takes away most of my responsibility, most of my worries about doing whatever I want. Yeah. He doesn't punish. And I, I don't know. I think he says he does punish. And so it's hard to combat that kind of thing. So what I want to do is not really worry about what everybody else is doing so much, but really just... I got one person I have control of, and that's me. That's right. And I want to preach it, and when people want to know it, I want to tell them. And when they don't want to know it, I want to, I want to, you know, tell them I'm here. If you ever want to know the truth, yeah, I'm here living it. I'm going to be living it here as long as I live, and I'm going to be real as long as I live. But I think there's a cost. I think there's punishment when I do wrong. I think there are consequences that are just born in creation. Like if you jump off a high rock, you're going to land on the bottom. If it's good landing, you're all right. If it's hard, you get hurt. Mm. I mean, there's natural order, gravity, thermodynamics, all these different things that there's natural order. Yeah, I, I think um, in thinking of victimization, responsibility, Jesus says, so before, before you try to take, take care of somebody else, take care of the world, you need to really start taking care of yourself, right? He says, I read this this morning. You know, don't try to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye before looking at the log in your own. And I think that with this victim culture in the West, it's, I need to change the world. I'm going to change the world. There's, that's a great thing that you want to change the world, right? Mm -hmm. But the first thought in most people's mind in, in today's day and age is not, how can I change, right? It's, 
it's how can others change? It's somebody else's fault from the victim mentality. And so I'm going to go change other people. Yeah. And, and you really, you can't affect much change when you're trying to change somebody else. Like if you think of all the people that come and try to change your mind about something on a daily basis, how many of them succeed? Right. But, but the ones who say, all right, well, I can't control what you're doing, but I can, I can take care of myself. That's when that's, those are the people that, that actually start making changes, right? It is. Yeah. So the goal, the end goal is to help your brother with the speck in his eye. After you've gotten the log out of your own eye, Mm -hmm. the prohibition in that verse is that you try to help the other guy with a speck while not worrying about the log in yours. The real part of the story is the goal and the purpose of the story is to teach you to get the log out of your own eye, then help your brother with the speck in his eye. Mm -hmm. And I think that the vast majority of us want to stop worrying about our brother's speck because that's what we think that verse means and just go ahead and live with the log. When the purpose of the verse is to work on yourself for the purpose of being there if someone else wants help. Right. But it's impossible to help them when you haven't helped yourself. When you haven't let yourself be um, unlogged, I guess, or you know, made uh-huh. to see. Unless yeah. you're made to see, how do you help him see? Right. And, but the goal is become someone who sees. Having eyes to see, see. Having ears to hear, hear. Then help others hear and see. Yeah, because freely it's been given to you. Freely give. Right. That makes that makes a lot of sense, and I I just yeah. I just don't see it. I don't see it happening a ton today. I was talking to some friends at at a church we used to go to, and they said um, they're just having such a hard time getting anybody. Like they're they're multiplying like crazy with children, which is a great blessing. They just can't get anybody to volunteer for for kids, you know, hanging out with right. the kids during church. And, and, uh, everybody's really excited about their kids going to <laughs> demanding that, you know, there's a, there's a good kids program and a, and a place for their kids with loving people that want to take care of them. And when it comes time to sign their name up on the sheet that comes around, it's just not happening. Right. What they will do in the end is they will want to hire somebody. They want to hire all the people and they'll, they'll be willing to pay for it. So they don't have to be bothered with it. But abundant life doesn't come from putting money into something. Abundant life doesn't come from paying for something or hiring outsiders to take your responsibility away. Where abundant life comes from is the return on giving life away. Hmm. The life I give really isn't that much. It isn't really that good. Is Uh, that the answer to victimhood then? That's the total answer to everything, really. All things is lay your life down for your neighbor. Give and you shall receive. Press down, shaken together, running over. It's a verse that just applies. And if you want to be someone that no longer is a victim, go out and act like you're not a victim. Hmm. When people say, I'm so sorry to hear about your circumstances, you say, I appreciate that. But you know, in in the midst of these circumstances, I am doing really well. In the midst of these circumstances, I am aware of the love poured out for me. In the midst of these circumstances, I am, I am aware of my calling to love others who are not necessarily, you know, lovable, mm-hmm. the least of these even. And 
I think that is the road to having no victimization, to not having blame, to understand that I should have been blamed and Jesus took away my blame. And then so instead of trying to make sure someone else gets blamed, would it not be better for me to go ahead and be blamed when I'm not blamable, when I'm not even responsible? Mm, yeah. Just take the blame like Jesus did. But for me, that doesn't come up very often where I have to take the blame for someone else. I do apologize and take blame once in a while, but it's not that often. What really is the truth is that Jesus took the blame for me. And so when I go before the Lord, I say, we have sinned, Lord. We have fallen short of your glory. Now, I could be in a, in a groove doing the best I've ever done, and I still would pray that because we have. We have failed him. We have not made the gospel look good to the world. Hmm. We have not been the number one choice anymore for people seeking an environment of, of health and happiness and joy and peace and kindness. We have a basket of fruit that's free, and we aren't the first choice for people to come yeah. and get yeah. it. And so victimization is destroying that basket. And if we would give our lives away, we would be a demonstration of what Jesus did, giving his life away. If we would humble ourselves, we would be a demonstration of how he humbled himself to the cross, even though he did no wrong. He who knew no wrong, he who knew no sin became sin for us. I mean, and we would really become like that. And you would watch a bunch of Christians walking around with joy, not sourness. Mm -hmm. You would see a bunch of Christians trusting and not worrying. Anyway. Yeah, when you're talking there, I'm thinking about, so in the West, church numbers, people in church have declined for a long time, uh, steadily, right? It Especially, really, absolutely. Just like kids not, not coming to church, following their parents. And so I, I'm... I kind of keep my ear to the ground and say, like, why is this happening? A lot of people I hear blaming, well, it's it's this factor here, um, or it's you know it's secularism in schools, and there's probably a lot a lot of truth to a lot of these things. Yeah. But really, what we're talking about of the like the church's growth and and things like that, maybe maybe it's our responsibility that the church isn't growing. Maybe maybe instead of letting youth pastors raise our kids, we should raise our kids. And, and raise them up in the way they should grow or, right. you know, or something like that. I think that, uh, well, I think it's close to that, but I think the focus on church growth is probably more the reason why yeah. nationally it's shrinking. We shouldn't be focusing on church growth. We should be focusing on people being able to go to heaven, being given the free gift of God. And mm -hmm. if we could, if we focused on that, the numbers would just increase automatically yeah. and the church would grow. But because we're, we're very much into church growth instead of, humans being you know seeing the truth we want to make it the more we make the church palatable we make the message easier less offensive people you know we're more sensitive to what they want and don't want and don't just tell the truth i just don't see jesus doing that i see him telling the yeah. truth and blasting them calling some of his listeners these listeners their leaders he called their leaders scribes and pharisees he called them Snakes and broods of vipers, yeah. whitewashed sepulchers, crazy things. And then uh, 
I think that the more we try to be like the world, I can't tell you how many people told me they're drinking with non-Christians so the non-Christians feel more comfortable with them so they can share the gospel with them. Or they're living like non-Christians so that non-Christians don't think we think we're better than them or we're not uppity about it. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, the more we do that, then we end up with something that's just horrible. See, if we had a lower divorce rate, if we had less men on pornography than the world did, if we had less selfish people or less people who worry about the future, if we had a whole churches full of people that didn't worry about who's going to take care of them, who's going to catch them when they fall, we would have something the world would want and we could tell them it's Jesus. How can you be the way you are? They would say, we would say it's because of our relationship with Jesus. And then the church supports that relationship. But we don't have less divorces. We don't have a lower percentage of men on pornography. Mm -hmm. We don't have a lower percentage of people who worry about the future or hoard money or are selfish. We have exactly the same as the world. In the world, there's a percentage of people that aren't selfish. And in the church, there's a percentage of people that aren't selfish. But what, what are we asking them to come over and join? Yeah, It looks just like the world. Yeah. We drink like the world. We do everything just like the world. We, we live like the world. We divorce and remarry like the world. We, we cheat on We cheat. We have just as much adultery going on with even the leaders on TV. Mm-hmm. So what is the world being invited to? They can't see Jesus. The only way they can see Jesus is if they see you and me. And when and they look different. at us, if we're being selfish and we're looking out for number one, they go, oh, well, I already have that down at the you know, racket club or I have that in my business. Yeah. I don't need to go to church to do that. Plus, that's another day day doing something, you know? Yeah. I don't have my Sundays to go out on my boat. Well, I was I was thinking of that with the the early church and I I have a degree in history that before I before I got here and and the early church was not focused on growing numbers, right? They didn't mm-hmm. have buildings to fill or anything like that. They were actually just they were they were worried about doing what Jesus wanted them to do because they didn't understand that 2000 years later, he would still be like, he hasn't come back yet. They thought, okay, he's coming back any minute. So we better be out here. So the plague hits Rome, these big cities, they're just getting ravished. Everybody's heading for the Hills and the Christians are running into the, into the sick, you know, the places where 70% of people are dying. And that's, that's what made Jesus name famous early on. It's, the uh, the people being persecuted in the in the uh, in the Colosseum, right, and and just dying with with dignity and honor, and counting death for Jesus as a as a great thing, and that that's what brought the church into you know the wave that that crashed that made it a worldwide movement, and now now we're we're just about okay well we can we can look the same as the world we can do the same as the world we can be just like the world and have everything they have but we get to go to heaven when we die and and the world like people aren't stupid they see that and and they know that okay well this isn't this is just hypocrisy right it's not much different than joining a club for some of them and i i don't ever want that to be the case in my church i want it to be you come join something that's important that brings you life and I don't know that it'll bring them life if they don't, if they're not really encouraged to give their life away, lay down their life for their neighbor, sacrifice their um, resources, sacrifice their time and energy for the benefit of others. And I, you know, 
um, it used to be the idea that you had to try to come up with jobs for the people in the church so they would feel like they're useful. And today, you can come up with all the jobs you want. It's really hard to get people to fill them, like your mm-hmm. friend's saying. No one will volunteer. It's it's well, we're kind of we're kind of reaping the benefits of what we sowed. We're reaping what we sowed. We sowed into them doing nothing. Yeah. Just sit there, come to church, put a little money in the offering, build us a a system here, a way here, and then we will be able to, um, you know, tell you you're going to heaven. The, yeah. the real hideous thing is we don't decide who goes to heaven. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's evil to decide who goes to heaven mm-hmm. as well as to say who goes to hell. I can tell you who Jesus says goes to hell. Liars go to hell, he said. I don't want to lie. He said people who overcome to the end go to heaven. I want to stay on the course. Yeah, I want to get to the end. I'm not going to make the end come faster because I'm really digging this. I'm really loving this Christian life. And so I don't want it over in a hurry, mm-hmm. but I want to finish. Yeah. I want to. I want to see more people come to Jesus. And I think if we focus on building great disciples and giving the gospel to those who want it, make it available, but make it something you are different. If you take it, it makes you a different person, not just like the world, but different. Concerned with others in a great and everyday way, not just a catastrophe way where you respond to catastrophe but in an everyday way with the least of these my brethren i think that you would see a changeover i think you would really begin to see life expanding life growing life enrichment Hmm. people would be walking around with smiles on their face saying my life is awesome it's super blessed so i'm guessing that there's people who are listening to this and uh, maybe they're feeling, feeling convicted that, okay, well, maybe I have the outlook that I'm the victim and, and everything's somebody else's fault. What would you have to say for somebody that would like that to change? I, I honestly say, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, bow your knee before him and say, hey, I don't know if you're there or not, and ask him into your heart. I would, I would recommend you say, you know, I know I'm a sinner. I know that in your eyes I'm a sinner. And I, I, would, like to, I would like to be forgiven if you're real, if you're there. If you show yourself to me, I'll give you my life. I'll follow you because I'm, I want this abundant life you promise. Hmm. Pray with them. If they are believers, I'd say grab the Bible, get a version like the NASB or NIV, not a message or a non-translation, but a but a true a true translated version in today's English, and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And at the end, when you're done with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again. And after you've done it twice, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just for good measure, do it a fourth time. And when you've read the Gospels through four times and you've paid attention to what Jesus, the Christ of God, is saying, God in the flesh is saying to you, begin to respond to him and what he said. Try to not, on the fourth time, try to not have a single verse that you say, well, we don't do that. I don't know anyone that does that. Oh, I guess I don't have to do that. No, each time you come to those verses, say, well, I don't want to cut my hand off, but there was an option here. Either cut your hand off or don't be caused to sin. 
really put your mind and your heart, your intention towards not sinning. And I guarantee you, you'll have so much opportunity to minister. You'll begin to have so much opportunity to love and you'll receive as much love as you give. In fact, you'll probably receive 10 times or 100 times more love than you give out. And it won't be long. It might, it might not be very long at all before you can say, I can't believe how much love there is in my life, mm. how much abundance, how much light, how much truth. I can't believe all my confusion has passed away. Now, when you're done with those four, you're going to want more. So then read the uh, book of Acts and the epistles all the way through and go ahead, read the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ simply means the revealing of Jesus Christ. Let him be revealed to you. Read it again when you're done. Concentrate on those seven letters. Those are to Christians after the resurrection, after his ascension to heaven. That is written from heaven to you, the church of Jesus Christ. You'll find in it there's some shocking truths that contradict what people are saying today, but they won't contradict what you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm -hmm. They'll be exactly the same conversation continued. And if you'll receive all these things, if you'll do these things, I can pretty much guarantee you an abundant life. Because by then you'll be giving your life away. You'll understand that it means laying your life down, being unselfish, loving as defined by unselfishness. You will find your life is the best it's ever been. If you want help, come to Orville. We'll walk alongside you for a few years. We'll try to teach you the standard of living. If not, read our books, listen to our podcast, mm -hmm. go on YouTube and listen to the sermons with all my pastors. I have 23 pastors, and they're all preaching truth. And they all came from not being pastors That's to right. being pastors. And they have changed their life. Most of them believed in something else before they came to this church and started doing this system. Not following me made them that way. Following me helped them learn how to do it, but following Jesus is what gave their life such incredible meaning. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we hope you come back and listen again. Hope you hear the start listening to the sermons, start jumping into the Bible, and let the truth of God, as communicated through the life and times of Jesus Christ, the Holy One, the Promised One, let Him come and save you. Let Him come and change you. Let him bring joy unspeakable, full of glory to your life. Let him bring his holy presence to make his home in you. Come with us. Mm. Let's all go to the mountain of the Lord and see what's possible. Let's find out what's possible to them who believe. Let's go after the Lord. All right. All right. Well, that's what we're doing here, and we're, we're going to get back to it. So thanks, Steve. I appreciate right, your time. Thanks for giving me your time. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Well, that's almost it for the Uncommon Truth. But before we go, I've got some shout-outs and some more information coming your way. First of all, I want to shout-out my friend Aaron C. He heard his name on last week's podcast, and he actually mentioned it to me, so I could tell he was listening. So hopefully you hear this, Aaron. Thanks for being a member of the Uncommon Truth. Also want to shout-out whoever's listening in Ireland. I actually went to school in Ireland for about seven months, played some rugby out there. 
it's like one of my favorite places in the world and i noticed on our podcasting app somebody has been listening in ireland so if that's you send us an email i'd love to hear from you i also want to shout out folks listening in the new england area i got a bunch of folks uh listening overnight in the boston area so if that's you shoot me an email you can find that in the show notes just uh let me know what you think of this show let me know if there's something you want to hear or any questions you have i'd love to hear from you talking about the show notes that's where you can scroll down on your phone when you're listening to the episode you can look down i have a little description there about what the show is about and i also have a bunch of links that will help you get connected you can find the Facebook and Instagram and social media pages for the Father's House Church and all our different ministries. So you can see sort of the day-to-day operations and what we get to do for Jesus there. You've also got my email there, and I'd love to hear from you if you're listening to the show. Please let me know what you think. We've got a link posted also for YouTube. That's where we post all of our sermons and things like that. So If you want more Uncommon Truth and one podcast a week isn't enough for you, you've listened to our back catalog of episodes, go ahead and check out some of those. It's really good stuff. If you're more of a reader, you can get Steve's books. There's a link on uh, to our Amazon page where Steve's got some of his books on for sale. And another reminder, uh, sometimes host and friend of the podcast, Jordy Mumby's got his GoFundMe information up there. He's not playing the victim narrative. Cancer doesn't define him, but he does need some help, him and his family. So go ahead and check out Jordy's journey on Facebook and his GoFundMe. And uh, hopefully we'll get Jordy back on or Steph in the near future and they can give us an update and share some wisdom with us. And that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Uncommon Truth.